Blog Talk Radio. to see, all right? Um, 
this is one way of our way of fighting against child abuse because, you see, we're going to go, and if you do it right, you just simply just don't stand there and say, oh, tisk tisk. person has bruises on face and wrist, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You go to the police department, and uh, you say, this is what I see, this is what I know, and, um, and then that way uh, the person, you know, might have a better chance of getting help. This person is usually a little kid. And you can be some kid's hero. I can't tell you how much I wish I'd had a hero, okay, when I was a kid. Because I walked around with switch marks on my legs, oh, yeah, and, and I had bruises on my arms. I'm sure I had them on my face because my mother used to like to hit me in the head. And uh, I don't know if it knocked sense in my head or out of my head. I haven't decided yet. But the point is, she thought it was a cool thing to do, I guess, and what I needed was help, okay? Mm-hmm. And all we people here at NASCA, those who are listening now, we have quite a few listening right now. Hold on a second. Let me bring this 859 area code, at least speak to them, see if they want to be a part of the show or if they just want to listen. 859 area code, um, do you want to just listen or do you want to be part of the panel? Oh, I'm just listening on behalf of uh, Minister Michelle. Oh, well, all right. I like that. <laughs> well, I'll leave your mic open. If, if there's something you want to say, you can just go ahead and say it, okay? Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, no pressure here. So anyway, what I'm saying, though, here is what I'm saying here. Um, I lived mostly in and out of New York City, okay? Well, not yet. I was in uh, Staten Island. Um, my relatives were all born in New York City, a whole bunch of them on the one side, Although my ancestry told me that they were not my blood relatives, but I looked at them as that because they accepted me. But they were born in Long Island, Long Island City, um, Brooklyn, um, other areas of, of New York. And I was born upstate, but then ended up in Staten Island. During all this time of which my life was existing, I was beaten, I was raped, and then ended up getting kidnapped. And I, this is not, um, you know, I'm not trying to blow people's minds here, but what I'm trying to tell you is I certainly was a kid who needed some help. And I think this is why I'm so passionate, along with my other people right here on this panel, okay, we are passionate about, um, and you know, on the show itself, passionate about trying to help kids so they don't end up like us, all right? I made my fair share of mistakes, believe me, but I had no direction. I had no direction, and I had no heroes in my life, okay? So my name is... Yeah, you were nothing but a kid. You were nothing but a child. That's right. So I did things backwards, half-ass backwards, and all kinds of stuff, and it's only amazing by the grace of God, that I'm still alive and amazing that I myself didn't end up in juvie, which I ended up working in years later. Figure that one out. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, the point of the whole thing is, is we people, you know, have to come uh, together with the, the adults. Now, a lot of kids come from good homes. I'm so thankful for that. They They do. I don't know too many of them, but I know that they're out there, okay? And, um, you know, and and that's a wonderful thing because that's the way it's supposed to be. But Mm -hmm. then you have kids like we here on the panel 
that know too well what it's like to be beaten, who know too well what it's like to be raped, even within the family, who know too well what it's like to be raped and beaten outside of the family, too, all right? We know mm-hmm. all this stuff. And um, so we either fold and and do nothing and, and turn into people who either commit crimes um, by working in the system like I did, I learned, I mean, I, of course, I have access to records and everything, so I worked with them. So I, I knew uh, their backgrounds, and I have to tell you this. A lot of these kids that I worked with first, um, yeah, they came from backgrounds like right, right here, like what we are here on the panel, okay, right here, right in NASCAR. And there are some other groups out there, too, and they, too, see, it's good to have different groups. And we should all be working under one umbrella, okay, for the same causes. And the causes is, of course, for the kids to help them, to let them know that they're not alone. And then also, too, for the adults out there who never healed. If you're a kid that came from backgrounds like we did, then you should go and get help, okay, if you haven't yet. And it's never too late. I I had to speak to someone yesterday who was in their 60s. And um, they've never gotten help, all right? But mm-hmm. they finally, and I do mean finally, <laughs> told me their story. And uh, I don't push people to do that. I wait for them to tell me. And uh, now they're going to go and seek help because that person has, I'm not going to say, I don't like divulging information. That's what I'm not about. I am a counselor. I have worked in the field. Um, and, you know, with the alcohol, drug abuse, I have certificates for that, and I'm statewide. Um, in fact, I was certified to the Board of Health in Trenton because I was sent to school, and that's where we got certified. I was given by the state uh, certification mm-hmm. myself and also, too, um, a nurse. She, she was an RN. State is very fussy. They want you to have certain criteria. You have to meet that criteria, all right, or they don't want you. I wouldn't be able to call myself a counselor. I'd lose my job. So there you exactly. go. Yes, and Michelle is a counselor also. She knows what I'm talking about. And, you know, so you have to know what you're talking about. (laughs) Otherwise, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Okay. So, um, because I don't believe in giving out false hope or false information or any of that other stuff. So the reason why NASCA is together, okay, the reason why we're here is, yes, to work with the adult survivors of child abuse because so many have not gotten help, and to let them know that they're not alone. And then also, too, if you know of children, okay, if you're an advocate, if you know of children who are getting abused, for God's sake, do something. Um, Help those children so they don't have to go through all the steps that we had to go through to get to where we are today. It's important. All right, it's important. I've seen kids die in front of me. I've seen kids when I was on the street die in front of me because of drugs, and um, mm-hmm. that was heroin, heroin back then, yes. And um, I couldn't do anything about it, all right? And anyway, the cops were coming, so I did what any kid would do. I ran, <laughs> all right? So I wasn't much help of anything to anybody back in those days. I had to learn, and it was all the hard way. So this is what NASCA is about. We're here to help children. We're here to help. And, and uh, those of us who, you know, we can help children who are allowed to work with kids, um, 
but mostly, too, for the adults. Now, I know that Michelle has been out on the street. I tried to call her a couple of times, and she does minister. Um, She is a minister, um, Michelle Bless. She's the author, too, of Out of the Darkness, the Michelle Bless story. And, And that was her story, Redemption. And in 1997, Michelle writes that she was introduced to the Lord and denounced Satan. Let me tell you something. When I was a kid, I thought that stuff was cool. You know, I mean, exactly. a lot of kids do. Yeah. But, you know, you go through that time in your life where you think, like, evil, you know, it's like a cool thing, all right, and all that. And um, I put on a witch's outfit for um, Halloween, and I felt guilty. <laughs> I felt stupid. <laughs> okay. I looked good. Oh, yes, I did. I got a pretty dress, Michelle. Yes, I did. You would have You would have approved. Yeah, you would have. <laughs> <laughs> So, but the point, one of the girls came up and she said, oh, you look so pretty. And I thought, I know I don't look scary. She said, no, you're too pretty to look scary. <laughs> so, well, that's the end of that one. So, but anyway, it was a very pretty dress. So, so anyway, um, you go through, kids do go through times in their life, even say it's not introduced to them, okay, in the, in the family like it was with poor Michelle here. Um, she was brought up around Satanism and everything. Say you're just a, a kid that's brought up in a family that doesn't believe in God, and that they don't believe in anything. I don't know what the heck they believe in. Um, my mother used to tell me she was a witch, and I believe she was. Mm-hmm. That's what she started saying. That's what mm-hmm. she, and that's the way she behaved, man. You know, mm-hmm. and she said, "I will never be your friend," and she meant it. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. So, okay, I didn't have a mommy, and I didn't have a daddy, and I was out on the streets. as simple as that. I don't want to talk about it right now because it's not my story time. So, but I'm trying to get across to people here, Michelle, uh, you know, exactly what we do here at NASCA. Because at times I run across, you know, statements, things are said, and they don't quite understand the function, okay, of NASCA. So uh, that's why I'm coming out with this now. And I suggest that you do get involved with looking at least at the um, the website. That's uh, NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A dot org, NASCA dot org. And if you do that and start opening up the red links, okay, there's red blocks. And each one has, each one does have a, a, a different subject matter, okay? Start from the left, go all the way over to the right. And, um, and you'll open them up. And see what you see, because you can learn a lot from those. You can learn a lot from those, okay? So then you'll understand better, you know, about NASCA. Okay, so I've said my spiel here. And, uh, Michelle, is there something that you want to talk about? Yeah, it is, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about, um, it's kind of like mixed together, stranger danger, but more so like, human trafficking is really on the rise and they have gotten so sophisticated that maybe I can just make a statement and we can move on to do the field talk about some other if you want but I've been thinking about this all day I was talking to a couple of people who have called me on the hotline and this is what the questions they were talking about because they were not survivors but actually victims of uh, human trafficking and there's this one particular lady um, well, of course, you know we're not going to say no names. She no. was at the mall. So 
she came out from the mall, touched her doorknob, and all of a sudden, instantly, in a matter of seconds, she started. She wasn't feeling right, and she immediately got into her car, was able to lock it, but then she was out. So, um, what kept her from being taken was, uh, you know, this is at a mall in uh, the parking lot. And people were seeing these guys trying to get into this car. And um, they just didn't look right to them. They kept saying it was their car, but they but they looked in and saw her linked over, passed out. So they called the police and the guys went away. They were able to get her out the car, took her to the hospital. She came to um, whatever was on the doorknob, it went into her skin. Um, and I, I, I don't know what they call it, but... Um, that's sophisticated. Going from grabbing the actual person, putting a, a, a rag or a napkin across their face to, to knock them out. That's what happened to me. I was Well, I was actually hit in the back of the head, but um, it was common where they just, you know, they gave them, give them ether or something to knock them out. Now they can just rub, rub a cream or whatever it is they put on a doorknob. So they were watching the... the uh, let me go back. So the police went and looked at the surveillance, mm-hmm. and they saw a van that was not too far from her. And when she got out, one of the guys got out of the van, followed her in the mall. The other guy came and rubbed something on the doorknob. They went into the cameras on the inside of the mall, and this guy was like, several steps away from her, but he followed her all during the duration of the, uh, while she was in the mall, and he was on his cell phone, so I guess he was talking back and forth to the people that were out in the van. If she didn't respond quickly to lock her door, they would have grabbed her. They would have grabbed her. Mm-hmm. That That is the point. Um, well, it, I had another, yeah. uh, another man call in... Um, he um, him and his wife were on the phone, and um, she was very emotional. Their daughter was almost kidnapped, was taken. Um, if if they if and, and the first thing they said was thank you for your show, and and I said okay, I'm glad we're here to help you. They said no, you don't understand, because they just they used to come into the chat line. They was asking about the chat line too, uh, Carol. You know why it's not up? I don't, I'm, I didn't know it was down, but. Anyway, they used to come in the chat line, and they would listen, you know, actually to the show. So they decided to teach their little girl stranger danger. So the parents was at the park where it was a lot of kids, other parents or whatever, and their little dog, you know, got off the leash, and he's chasing the dog, and she, and she is, and the mother uh, stood up and was, like, laughing at her husband, saying, hurry, get him, get him. But in the meantime... This man approached their daughter, and he said, uh, and the daughter said that he said, I have some candy for you, and she just let out a scream. <laughs> and and it, got the, and it got the mom's, I'm not laughing at that, but got the mom's attention, and, of course, everybody else's attention, and he took off. What if they didn't teach their child stranger danger? And I felt that emotion when uh when they uh, when he called to say that to me, and the mother was very emotional, but she was really really grateful. 
I want to elaborate on that a little bit. A lot of parents feel like, well, you know, we I never experienced that. We ne- I never experienced rape. I never experienced uh, abuse or, or anything like that as a kid. And I said, I, you know, and I, and I told this lady, you know, I'm glad that you never experienced that, but it's a reality that it happens. It, it happens to children. And because yours, because it didn't happen to yours, that, that would be a yet. If you don't teach your child about their body parts of their body, if you don't teach, they, teach your child about uh, if anyone touch you, that's bad, you scream, you fight, you do whatever you got to do. If you don't teach your child this, and this is what predators want for you not to do, they are, right. those kids are easy targets to talk to, how, lure them by puppies. You know, kids, they love animals. You know what I'm saying? You can lure them. They had a, they had a, a, a story that happened like 10 years ago, and this man was going around, and he had puppies. I mean, baby puppies in his van. And he would just be out, standing with the door open, and he'd go to the playground and get the lure kids to come to it, and they see the puppies. They said, oh, can we play with it? They said, well, get on in there and play. And, and if it's one child, he, he close it and take off. If it's several, to get them in there and take off. You, got, you have to teach your children stranger danger. So I'm going to leave that right there and let you elaborate on what I shared and also for the panel, everyone else that's here. Okay. Well, let, let me start, and then I'll go to the panel. Um, okay. That was one of the things that were brought up, actually, um, on, on our Facebook, okay. I don't know if it was the open side or the closed side, to be honest with you, I forget. Um, mm-hmm. Stranger danger is the first thing that you teach them, you bet. And they, mm-hmm. they need to learn that, okay. It's mm-hmm. Look, you teach your kid, like we say on the show, um, to, to cross the street, how to cross the street. And, yes, you teach them not to take uh, candy from strangers, of course. You teach them that. And we have to teach him about stranger danger, all the things to to elaborate a little bit more on that, because um, don't forget with pedophiles, they're very cunning, mm. very cunning, and uh, they take all the time in the world. They they hang out at parks, they hang out at schools. That's where I got taken from, for God's sake, because that guy was watching me take my city bus home. Mm-hmm. You know, I lived, and then he grabbed me. So I hey, whatever. So the point is this, um, we have to teach our children to look at, to teach them to what strange behavior, too, from adults and also, too, from older siblings. You have to understand, yeah, you have to understand that, I mean, we're really starting to talk about incest today. I don't pussyfoot around anything, you guys know me, all right? And, and, um, that's a taboo. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's a taboo. People don't yeah. want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's too bad. I got a big mouth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm so fresh, I can't help it. <laughs> but, you see, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we keep our mouths silent, if we keep silent, you know, about um, the taboo things, such as you're I'm mentioning, such as I'm speaking about, mm-hmm. and, and you're bringing notice to, um, mm-hmm. then there's never going to be any growth. There's never going to be any help. And, and people out there are going to keep it, like, in the back closet somewhere. Close the door, man. We don't want to talk about that because that's ugly. Well, of course it's ugly, okay? 
But the point of it is, it's every bit as important as all the things that we do speak about, all right? Mm-hmm. And people have to understand that there's a, a tremendous amount of, uh, in fact, it's 60%. Someone had quoted that. Some They do research like I do. And they quoted 60% um, last week, I think it was, of, of the abuse starts in the home. Okay, mm-hmm. it starts in the home, 60%. Now, I haven't looked to see if that person had accurate, you know, if it, if that's a low or if it's a little high. I have a tendency to feel that might even be a little bit low because um, of the research that I've done, I've seen higher amounts than 60%, and 60% is bad enough, okay? Don't get me wrong. So it starts, you know, a lot of times right in, in, in the house, right in the home. And and I knew a lady that worked over at Sears when Sears was still around. And uh, this mm-hmm. is going back, I've been here 14 years, so I'm going to say um, it was probably about 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. I was over at the jewelry counter. And uh, so anyway, we started to talk and, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, she said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm with an organization called NASCA, and I explained all about that. And she said, well, I was abused, too, when I was a kid. And I said, well, I'm so sorry to hear that. And it was in her family. So I said, well, did you ever tell? And she said, oh, no, I never told because I would never want to disrupt the family unit. I would not want to upset people. I said, well, what about you? Aren't you a person? Aren't you a person? Don't you count? And she hung her head. She hung her head. So wow. you see, uh, I went back to see her about two or three times after that, and there was no way that she was going to, at this point in life, you know, talk about these people. And um, I said, you know, I have to say to everyone out there who's experienced that type of experience and, and did nothing to... Uh, defend yourself in the sense of telling on that person, um, finding some sort of justice. We can't worry about whose feathers we're going to ruffle. Right. You see, you have to love yourself enough. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't love themselves enough. They think like Mm -hmm. that lady. And they've been conditioned. It's like environmental conditioning, which I speak about. Um, to not think so highly of themselves, and they are the prey of that person who is, you know, abusing them in the family. Mm-hmm. And they tell them things, and kids, you know, they don't, they believe what adults say. They don't think of telling. They're scared to tell. I admit, I did tell once, and I got chased by a vehicle. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. I was only seven years old. And I'm going to tell you something else. All the abuse that I'd already sustained was not as scary as that vehicle. Not that the other is right or wrong or unscary, but picture a seven-year-old being chased by a car. Absolutely. That's terrifying. (laughs) My God, I'm going in and out, in and out of streets. Coming down to Main Street, the car is still there. Of course he's still there. He's just going straight, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to go in and out. of. I guess maybe I had in my head that if I... um, Somebody will help me, maybe. But nobody helped me, see? Mm-hmm. Nobody helped me. So I mm-hmm. finally decided I'm going back down to Main Street, and I'm going to go into the pharmacy. 
I figured if I go into the pharmacy, I told once, maybe he'll think I'd, I'll tell again. And that's exactly what exactly. I did. And then he took off. Okay? Then mm-hmm. he took off. So, but the damage, trauma, was done. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm not going to get into the rest of that story, but it has, a, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it has a good ending. <laughs> I'll leave it that way. So, mm-hmm. the point is, the point is this. Um, we can't worry about ruffling people's feathers. You know, we can't do that because Mm -hmm. um, we are a person. God put us on this earth just like everybody else. He gave us our own free will. Um, Mm -hmm. This is why I do not. um, uh, Now you're a minister. I'm not a minister. (laughs) I never said I was, okay? But Mm -hmm. the point is I do not accept, you know, an apology unless I know that I know that that person truly means it from their heart, that they're sorry for what they did. And quite frankly, I never got one. Okay? Okay. See, people who are pedophiles, number one, they can't be fixed. Studies show that, and for three decades at least, they have been working to try and find ways to um, work with pedophiles to subdue them to stop them, and all this other stuff. And they have yet to come up with anything substantial that actually works. If you're a pedophile, you're going to be a pedophile for the rest of your life. That's just the way it is. Okay. Well, you know, I have a different opinion on that, but okay. It's all right. And, well, and I'm, and, but, but my opinion, but, but my opinion is mm-hmm. when I bring in, I say, I say, well, let me not say opinion. I have a different thought when it comes spiritually. I can say, I mean, mm-hmm. if a person surrendered themselves and and surrendered themselves to God, they can change. But that's the only way you can do it. Other that's than true. that, well, that other, I believe. Other than that, that I, I agree with you. Other than okay. that, I totally agree with you. <laughs> For sure. All right, let me say you know. something about that because you guys are ministers, okay? Um, okay. I met Billy Graham when I was five. <laughs> I remember you said that. Yeah, that was very cool. That was in New York on, in Manhattan. But anyway, the point is this. If a person is truly sorry, okay, for the sins that they've committed, okay, um, and this, would, of course, would be crimes against children. That's what it is, mm-hmm. it's crimes against children. Um, if you're really truly sorry and uh, all this other stuff, then maybe, I'll give you a maybe, because I remember Oprah's last show, or next to the last show, I'm not sure which it was, she had the pedophiles up on her stage, no audience, no audience. She sure did, I saw it. All right then, you saw it. She saw saw the pedophiles up there. Not one could say that after each one had different sentencing, and each one had different types of therapy. I don't know if they didn't get into that. But um, the point is, yeah, I don't remember exactly how long. But anyway, the point is this. Um, The last question that she asked was, well, now that you've been in jail, you've been incarcerated, and you've had uh, therapy, can can you now be trusted around children? There wasn't one person, Michelle, on that stage, and you know that because you saw it. There wasn't one person on that stage that could say yes. 
Of course not. First of all, they didn't have God in their life, so of course they, of course they couldn't say yes. Because <laughs> they in the world that belong to the devil, and 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 that is what happens. These these pedophiles, if you think, man, you sick, you serving the devil. That's oh, absolutely. So of course you're gonna keep that. You're gonna have that thought, that desire continually. You know, because it's mm-hmm. it's sick. Make it. You can't make it make sense because it's not normal. A normal person, a normal person would not, when I say normal person, that's male or female adult, would not touch a freaking child. Ain't even form. What the age can you get out of touching a freaking child? Nothing. Well, by the time they're they're 15, by the time they're 15, they know they're different. See, all the studies. Because the 15-year-old, young boy or girl, too, they, they look like grown people. Grown body parts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't trust them, okay? I, I don't care. Look, if my stupid brother, and I call him <laughs> that because that's what he was, <laughs> he likes that. a lot of people bust out laughing. You know I, I do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know this. I'm, but I mean it from my heart, okay? I, I can't know help you Yes, I do. So, anyway, look. I, I, I addressed him with this. Look, you totally openly raped me when I was 14. Yeah. Um, before that, it was mm-hmm. nine when he started with the molestation. And, um, and then finally at 14, he openly raped me. So I said, oh, don't you feel sorry about that? Don't you, don't you have any? What are your feelings about that? What he you said, say? you liked it. He said, you what? liked it. See, that's what they do. They will say, they will try to make the person feel guilty, all right? They'll try to make them feel like um, the, like they enjoyed what happened to them. My brother had this face on him that was maniacal, maniacal. And I'm telling you, oh, he, he was screwed up big time, and they rewarded him for that all the time, my mother and my stepfather, okay? They were screwed up, too. So um, maybe they were all stupid, all right? There you go. So anyway, the point is this. Um, he was never sorry. He was never sorry. And uh, sooner or later, he ended up going away somewhere. I'm not going to say where he is. And mm-hmm. um, well, Lori looked him up, and, and he's still alive, isn't he, Lori? <laughs> but anyway, the point is this. The point is this. Um, I personally, I personally... Uh, with all the cases that I've known of and so forth, uh, what I started seeing in, in the courtrooms and everything as a child and then even as an adult, um, I never saw one that was sorry for what they did. And um, I believe, in fact, what happens is even with first-time offenders, um, when they do get out, first of all, they don't get much time because they're first-time offenders, right? Ha, ha. Yeah. So I wrote this on Facebook because people don't know this stuff, all right? So... They have. They found two studies that um, they have offended at least 124 times. Now that before they get caught. Now that means mm-hmm. ten times maybe with one kid, five times mm-hmm. with another kid, and you can do the math any way you want. You can jumble it up any way you want, and until you come to 124, and um, that's just the way it is. Now, so then mm-hmm. they give them a sentence that would be for a person who only did it once. And one time is too many. Like you said, 
it takes a certain type of individual. In fact, you get mad. You say, what kind of mm-mm would that person be, you know, the one who would want to touch a child? Well, indeed, indeed. They're not normal. They're not normal. Their no. brain waves are different. And I've got something to tell you, too, because, you see, when we get abused, our brain waves, too, become different. What happens is the brain, our brains in that area where it's, it's uh, trying to deal with the trauma of being raped, all right, um, mm-hmm. it actually, uh, the other cells rush in really quick because, you see, that's like an ouch. It's like a sore. It's like the brain wave gets disturbed and upset and all this other stuff. So other cells run in and they try to repair the damage that's being done to the brain. Trauma is terrifying. It's terrible. And, of course, when you're a child, and even if you're an adult, if you get raped, that's trauma. You're going through trauma, all right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and so all those other cells run in to try and repair. And I mean, God made a wonderful thing when He made our body. He tries to even have things to repair parts mm-hmm. of our brain that have been abused. All right, and um, mm-hmm. but the brain never works quite the same, and that's where the triggers come in. That's why we have triggers. This is why we have nightmares. This is why I had panic disorder, not even just panic attacks. It turned to disorder because it was repetitive. You get repetitively raped, you're going to have repetitive post-traumatic stress disorder. It's going to turn into complex PTSD. Okay, mm-hmm. that, That's where all of this comes from because it's from repetition. So, you see, only God could fix that. I agree because, quite frankly, man can't. Man can't. No, not at all. all right. No, not at all. So, uh, any of the panel, or anybody would like to say something? Yeah. Okay, I'll jump, jump in. I always jump in. <laughs> and I'm going to do it backwards good. all the way up because that's the way my brain works. The chemistry mm-hmm. in the brain is true. I've been researching all that kind of stuff. Absolutely true. And when the while it's being repaired and whatnot, you also have the lack of development of another part of the brain. So it's not lit up right. It doesn't learn, doesn't take in, doesn't do anything right. And you're like stopped. And when you concentrate so much time on something else, um, that's when you can see that you're mentally losing it and you're in there. And, you know, depending on how bad, how young, whatever, uh, it could be seen, and definitely it could be picked up and should be referred to um, some kind of therapist for kids. I still believe that, that they should be more in the school, and they should know how to talk to the little kids, and the teachers should stop being afraid of them and all that kind of stuff. I still hope, you know, but that's the damage it's going to do to the kid. And now I'm going to jump back to someone saying that they're sorry. I do have a strong opinion on this one, and it's probably not um, like anybody else, but I don't believe that I should have to ever um, listen to, forgive, or even be associated with a person being sorry for what they did to me. They're only telling me that they're sorry to clear their conscience because probably they want to go to heaven. They're doing it for themselves. If they were able to do the damage that they did, then they're the same person. They're just at a different stage in life. So I'd never, I would never 
forgive anybody. Not that anybody ever did say they were sorry to me. They did the opposite. You know, it's you, you're not, nothing ever happened and whatnot and all that crap. So, yeah, it is what it is. So, when what, that, what, what, what I would like to say and is that, well, first of all, I'm going to continue to pray for you. I have to speak on what you just said specifically. So, I would say this to you, and don't get me wrong. I tell anyone who has, who is a survivor or a victim of, of uh, abuse, of any type of abuse, you know, if you ain't never been abused, you can never understand or have the capacity to understand what type of pain that it puts on a person, uh, male or female. So I leave people where they are in their own space. But I will say this. For me, I wanted to make sure I had a, I had a seat in heaven. So in the word, the Bible says unforgiveness would not enter the kingdom of God. So you don't want to allow that person to hold you hostage. So if you don't know how to do that, you have to ask the Lord to help you with that because that's what I had to do. Because believe me, what the statement you made and how you feel is exactly how I used to feel. But I learned that once I started and God was showing me how to forgive I started getting relief, and I didn't think I can get relief. And then I realized the more I got involved with having a personal intimate relationship with him, and I learned his words, unforgiveness would not enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm just going to keep it straight. I ain't going to sugarcoat it because me, for me, my goal every day when I wake up and go out the door is to bring as many souls and give as much information to let people know. You can't hold on to, to unforgiveness. You can't hold on to that. You can't say I'll never forgive a person. You can't do that. Where you are now, that's understandable. But you have. I just pray that you be open to allow God to help you. See, when I when I got help, I said that would never happen. I couldn't do it, and so. But when I surrendered to God, He showed me how, and that's why I'm a witness to that it can't happen because I was I felt the same way you are. So I know you're a good person. I know you love the Lord, and I'm just giving you scripture. You can't I appreciate it. Yeah, when God forgives us, we have to forgive others. Does it happen overnight? Of course not. Do God understand that? Absolutely. But you can't do it on your own. That's why I said you have to surrender to God, basically ask God to do it. And that's literally what I had to do. I'm like, God, I can't do this because if I do this on my own and my own mindset, my own flesh, think about my own pain, I'm never going to do it. So I gave it to him. And um, sometimes God would heal quick. Sometimes it would be slow. For me, it was slow. But I finally was able to do that. You know, I don't know if you remember, Lord, I, I took and buried my dad um, as this October has passed in a year. And <clears throat> and um, and um, if I look back then, oh, honey, please, I thought I would never, never be able to forgive that man what he did. But I was able to do that. And, uh, it was years and years later, and um, um, and then the last two years of his life, we had a relationship. And on his deathbed, he surrendered to God. So I gave the devil a black eye. Okay, I just wanted to share that with you. So, but there's another particular person that's on here, Carol. That I want to know is, is Matt here by any chance? Um, is that your friend, the 859? Are you there? 859? No, that's number? Barry. No, I know that's Barry. You can ask him if you wanted to, to make a comment or something. Oh, okay. 
Well, you heard Michelle. <laughs> Do you want to make a comment? No, 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 not right now. I'm just listening. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, let me go down the phone and see if he wants to make a comment. Oh, Philip is here. Okay, I was saying Matt. Okay, yeah, yeah he's Philip. here. Okay. Are you there, Philip? Hello. Philip, can you hear me? Yeah, hello, Philip. Yeah, I can hear you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Hello, guys. Well, I'd just like to say that I resonated with what Ms. Carroll said about how when abuse keeps happening, that's when it causes damage to the body because I noticed that. Mm. Okay. Can anybody else resonate with that? Say that again. Well, I'm, oh, a body damage. Can anybody damage. else resonate with that? Yeah, definitely. We all have body mm. damage. You said, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't understand what you were saying. Did he say body damage? Yes. No, yeah, I well, said, can anybody is... else resonate with that? Yeah. With, resonate with body damage? The... With, 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 like, damage, yeah, body damage from the from repeated abuse. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, let, so, me, let, let me see. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, no, no, he's he got a good so, point. Uh, Go and that's good. Yeah. I never heard anyone mention that before, but I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll let I'll let Carol talk. But I'm just gonna say this word: absolutely. We can all resonate on that. And if you want us to give you an example or whatever and share, uh, uh, Carol, you can go first, and I go behind you. Okay. All right. Look, when when a person goes through trauma, okay, of any kind, this goes for soldiers too. Like if a soldier sees um, his buddy. You know, get his head blown off, right? Um, mm. They 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 experience terrible trauma. Now they equate a, a child watching their mother and father say, you know, beat each other almost to death or whatever. Okay, they're beating each other as the same type of trauma as with the soldier who watches his buddy, okay, who who just got his head blown off, because in a child's eyes, in a child's eyes. Um, mommy and daddy are the most important people when they're little, right? They're the ones that are supposed to guide them, feed them, take care of them, nurture them in all ways. So if they don't have parents that are good, then they're going to suffer from terrible trauma. As far as being traumatized or traumatized, you know, during the course of our early years by strangers, it can do terrible damage to our body. That's why we say physically, mentally, emotionally, okay, in, in the mission statement. Because when we are, um, whether it be from beatings or raping or both or all of them, all the things that we talk about, when you gluts, right, um, our body and our mind goes into a state of trauma. And our body, it actually falls apart inside. Um, it hurts our heart. It hurts our spirit. It breaks our spirit. Like like someone who kicks a dog. I hate that because I love animals so much. But you know what I'm saying. And, and and you've heard that expression, you know, to break the spirit of the dog. How awful. <laughs> well, when you do that to a, a child, you know, okay, repetitively especially, you know, time after time after time, you break that child's spirit. You The child becomes sick. There were times my mother would take me to the doctor, not often enough, and at the wrong times. She was selective. 
So I remember one time going to the doctor because I had aches here and I had aches there and, and, and all this other stuff. And then he said out loud, well, nonspecific. That's the body crying out. I'd been kicked. I'd been abused. I'd been, you know, all kinds of whipped, all kinds of stuff. And even if you're not thinking of it psychologically in the front of your brain, it's not in your in the in your self-conscious. It's where it is back in the self-conscious, but in your conscious mind. Well, mommy used to you know beat me all the time, and she used to punch me in the head and put all this other stuff. Um, we try to sometimes push that away because it's too frightening for us to look at and too sad. But our body instead will respond with aches and pains that we don't understand. And even the doctor will give it nonspecific. So this is what happens when a kid goes through terrible physical, mental, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, which goes in with the emotional. Or say they're not fed properly. I know what dog biscuits taste like, okay? And I don't know why dogs eat them. All right? That's honest to God. So, you know, when you're treated that way and you have to go through all of that stuff, you get sick. And it can affect your mind. It can affect your 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 whole psyche. Does that answer your question? Well, let me add more. If, let me add more to that. Go ahead. If I may. Um, body damage. Okay. Yeah. So you're looking at, I'm going to share some, some things here. Little girl. I would say between the age of 2 and 10. Same as a little boy, age 2 to 10. So I want you to imagine the little girl, say she's 4. No, say she's 6. I start with me. My age, 6 years old at the time. And a grown man is teaching a 6-year-old. Well, not really what he's teaching, and then he does it. What I mean by teaching, standing her in front of a mirror and and, and rubbing her chest and said, "These gonna, you know, that these gonna be real big." And then he touched her bottom. And so imagine he either would take his finger. Men are bigger and huge to a little girl. He stick his finger in her vagina, break the cherry. That's very painful because it's not pleasurable. That's hurtful. That's damaging. Stick it in her rectum, and then he take his his he take his thing, and it's huge to a small child who's not even developed. And then she's being raped. He penetrates her, but does he do it out of love? No, he just straight ram in, and he rips the bottom of her vagina. And it's such an excruciating, excruciating pain. It affects the body. You can't, the child can't move. So like she, you ready to have a stroke or a heart attack. It's indescribable. So imagine why she's going through all this where her vagina got ripped and then he flips her around and he's sticking in her butt. This is not an adult. This is a little girl. And he rips her bottom up. And then he threatens her not to tell. And he does this. 
if he can every day to her. So the damage to a little girl's body like that causes, sometimes they can't even have children because the the vagina has been ripped apart and has been damaged. Um, Some children don't even survive because that physical damage to their body is so overwhelming, it kills them. And then there are the ones who did survive, like me and like Carol and others that are listening on this panel. Mm-hmm. That physical pain is so devastating. Literally, if we go back and think about it, you can literally feel that pain. And it does damage the body physically. Mm-hmm. But if if the child or, you know, or when they become a teenager or an adult, hopefully... Or, they get help or as a child and, and, it, and it's being found out, they need to get help because it does tear up the vagina of a little girl and her bottom can be split wide open. Give you an example real quick. This young lady, it was, it, was, it was big news. It was on Dr. Steele. It was on CNN. It was one of the most horrific sexual child abuse physically also that I had for her in my life and even though I am a survivor. This mother had a boyfriend and she locked her little boy her little girl in a closet and they were on drugs and had parties. Their little friends come over and they were allowed the men, including the the, the stepfather, to go in and rape this little girl and they and just take her up, bring her out and they just just imagine they're holding you and they're thrusting you down, up and down, in her vagina and in her butt. And this has been going on for so long. By the time she was eight, there were you know how your vagina is in the front and your butt is in the back, right? But they had did her so much, it all became one. Mm-hmm. It all became one, one big hole. Imagine that. The little girl... They barely fed her. She was tearing off the walls to eat, the floors. And then when she throw up or whatever, she was eating her own throw up and feces and drinking urine. Yeah. God had a tear on that child's life. She became an adult. And she came on Dr. Phil and shared a story. It was so sad that doctors around the world donated their time yep. to do surgery. I'm, I've she heard this. Her. Now, she yep. can't never have no kids. And it took years of repair. Mm-hmm. And it's very expensive. It didn't cost her a dime because it had affected the impact of the world and people were donating. She had to go through several surgeries, but she did it to make her a woman and make her feel like a woman. They They fixed her vagina and they fixed her... But her the back of her butt, but but she can't never had no kids. Let's say about a two year old little girl in Mexico. She was raped by a man. He took her in the woods and he raped her so much that her inside came out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard of that happening. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, so physical pain is indescribable. If you ain't never experienced it, you don't understand. If you have. You had children, you know what we're talking about. Carol, know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I can't just, I, I wanted to die. 
I can't. I hate it. It makes you, as you become older, it makes you. Even though it affects the body physically, like it does the pain, we never forget that. But your first idea or introduction of sex was brutal. Who's gonna want yeah. sex? Yeah. At that it time, was. this is. I'm saying this before I got healed or whatever. Thirty years ago, I'm like, uh huh, because my first thought, I never looked at it. How can it be pleasurable? I wasn't introduced to pleasure. I was introduced to pain and agony. I shouldn't even like guys. (laughs) Say what? Okay, I said I shouldn't even like guys. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Right. I'm surprised I didn't go the other way. No, but I hate men though. I hate it. I hate it, men. So, no, I, I like guys too much. Little, By the way, Philip, Philip, oh, I love men today. I'm just saying back then and that during the time of my yeah. uh, victim victimization at the time. Mm-hmm. So the physical pain, that's something I would never want anybody to go through. I'll never forget it. But it's horrible, and that's why I fight, and that's why I fight, and that's why I fight for children's rights, and that's why wherever I go, if I see a child being mistreated, I don't care who the parent is, I don't care who they with, I'm going to say something and the cops going to get there because I'm not going to allow that child to go back with who with who I'm seeing to treat them because I don't ever want to see a child mm-hmm. get, to, to get raped, especially a little girl with a man sticking his nasty thing in her, ripping her inside out, forcing her to suck on him and all that. I just, I, and, and, and let's get with the little boys. A little boy, and the man sticking his nasty thing in his butt. Imagine if he's not using, if he's not losing using lubricant and yeah. and ram it. Pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Physical pain. Physical pain. I, I have a friend. I have a friend that uh, can't have children because of the way she was treated, mm-hmm. and uh, so that that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Philip dropped off a little while ago. I, I think he um, maybe couldn't hear anymore, whatever. I don't know. But I, what you said is very valid. And I think, I think, now this is just my saying, that when people are treated so, so roughly and so poorly and so all this other, now I, I read the Bible from page one all the way through. And, and um, Billy Graham, he gave me... Um, I already had religion in me at the age of five. I don't know where it came from. Most of them were atheists in my family, and I didn't dare get caught praying or I'd get beaten. But, you know, um, I think maybe people have a hard time if they've been so brutally, you know, attacked to forgive because um, it's like my mother used to say to me. Oh, boy, I had to hear this crap. She'd say to me, well, with all the stuff that's happening in the world, Carol, all the bad stuff, and she'd go over a list of things from hunger to abuse to whatever, anything that came out of her mouth, how can you possibly say that there's a God? Because if there was a God, then um, why would he allow, of course, why would he allow for this stuff to happen? And I said to her, which is another reason why she hated me, she said, um, I said to her, Mom, look, we were all born and we came from God. I did not come from the ocean like you think, okay? 
Um, I don't even like the ocean that much, <laughs> to be honest with you. But um, I said, we all have free will. We have free will. And and either we're going to do good or we're going to do bad. Okay? And, look, I don't care if you weren't taught about what's right and what's wrong, say, about sexually abusing someone or anything else. Okay? Um in your brain, just from watching TV, just from living life, uh, and all this other stuff that's you know presented to us on a daily basis, you you have a pretty good idea uh, of what's right and what's wrong. And uh, people going to jail, you know, if they kill someone, that they see they used to, didn't they? Um, and the way I look at that is uh, today. I'm sorry if someone, and I believe this in my heart. Um, if someone approaches me and they're going to do me harm, I will defend myself, absolutely. Because you see, it also says in the Bible that we're supposed to be kind and loving to each other. God didn't put us on this earth to be abused. He just simply didn't, all right? Exactly. That's man. That's mankind that's a man thing. doing that. That's so, mankind doing yeah. that, okay? It has yeah. nothing to do with God. Because God teaches us, even through the Ten Commandments, what's right and what's wrong. Do I follow them all? Oh, I have a problem with that one. But, you know, like, I do the best that I can, okay? You know, I'm not a perfect person. But the the truth of the matter is, you know, if someone's going to hurt me, I will defend myself. As far as, um, you know, forgiveness is concerned, it says in the Bible, 70 times 70 times 70. Because someone asked God... Um, why do I have to, you know, to forgive, and how many times do I have to forgive? And in the Bible, it is written seventy times, seventy times, seventy. In other words, forever. All right. So, I have a problem with that because man does have his own free will, and because I know that if I'd been in a decent hand, you know, hands and family, you know, and and all this other stuff. I wouldn't have lived the life that I lived, all right? I wouldn't have had to. Life is never perfect, and even the best of homes. You're going to get trials and tribulations and all this other stuff. You're going to go through all this. You're going to have it. It's just a part of living. But some of the things that we have gone through, okay, the most horror of the horror, the most trauma of the trauma and traumatic it's very hard then, especially when someone says you enjoyed it, and that's what they do. They say these things. You know, it's very hard to say, well, I'm going to forgive that person, even though they almost killed me and all this other stuff. So that's something that um, I think personally is a personal choice. Um, I do speak to God all the time because I happen to believe in God. And, um, I mean, I even went up to get... Uh, have Billy Graham bless me because I was sure I was a sinner <laughs> at the age of five. You know, it's so funny. So, but you know, um, but the point is this: that um, I believe in God, and I believe that we are led. We are led to the type of work that we do because God has put us here to do this type of work, and that's why I said way in the beginning. You know, what we do at NASCA, what type of work we do at NASCA, some of us are more involved, yes, than others. We are able to do more in in specific areas because we're allowed to, Um, whether it be working with children, I mean, or or with adults, right? 
um, this is what we're meant to do, okay? And, and, and we're probably, you know, pretty helpful at times. You can be sure of that. You can be sure of that. So, and that's not prideful. That's doing God's work. That's doing God's work, all right? So, anyway, there's there's something I wanted to hit upon before we, we uh, go any further. Um Okay. Yeah. And, and this one that? here is, yeah, this is uh, psychology today. Um, people are having problems, especially we who have been um, abused, okay, with the holidays. Um, and I, so I, I wanted to find this out, so I did a little bit of research. It said, um, why, and this is from psychology today, why the holiday season may be difficult for trauma survivors. Well, first of all, it's very normal for survivors of child, you know, childhood abuse or family trauma of some sort to find the holidays painful, even if they admit to enjoying some of the customs, like singing and dancing and and and, and, and even the gift giving, if you can. All right, and those traditions that we're used to, and the, and the family gatherings, if everything's normal there, okay. And most of the time they're not, if if, if we're survivors, but. Okay, they reminisce of the days gone by, and many times those days were not pleasant. Now, this is what we're going through, so many of us. I got phone calls on this, and, and it was on it's on the um, Internet, too. Okay, it's on our Facebook. The holidays can be a very, very trying time for people. Number one, um, with the advertisements, okay, uh, you have to buy this, you have to buy that, you have to do this for your kids, you have to get that. Well, you know, it's like programming the kids to ask mommy and daddy, well, maybe mommy and daddy cannot afford, okay, uh, these type of things that are out there. That automatically brings forth stress in the family, even in the best of homes. So what do they do? They end up maxing out their, their charge cards and all this other stuff to try and make their children happy. And, of course, the stores love that because you're coming in and you're like the sheep and you're buying all kinds of stuff. People are not talking about Jesus, okay? They're talking about so often, I'm just saying. They're talking about what to buy their kids and and all this other stuff to make them happy. Mm. There's not enough religion in the family. In my family, there was no religion, okay? And that's just the way it was. Um, when I was in the pedophile house, uh, the lady that I lived with, she was very religious, but her husband was a pedophile. And I said to her, how come he doesn't go to church? And I got smacked for it. <laughs> okay. So I was thinking, gee, maybe if he went to church, maybe he'd stop being a pedophile. Of course, I didn't know he was a pedophile. I was just a kid. That was from six to seven and a half years old. So you see, our our values are so warped. Because society has taken over, Michelle, and, and instead of thinking about, like I have a nativity scene on my one window, and it's pretty, and I like it, because I happen to believe in God, and I do believe in Jesus, and I do believe in the Blessed Mother. I'm Catholic, and I happen to feel that way. And that brings me closer, that brings me closer, I can't talk for other people, but it brings me closer at this time, a feeling that it's a special time, 
not thinking about what the kids are going to get me for Christmas or when I get the kids for Christmas and all this other stuff. And this year is a very rough year for a lot of people because of inflation and stuff, the things that we're going through. So, you know, it's, it's hard. It's very, very hard. So that causes stress. Now, this is what causes so much trouble in a family because if they themselves, you know, are survivors, if they themselves are survivors, and um, they're hearing all the songs and they start reminiscing back to when they were a kid. Well, I had a friend whose uh, mother knocked over the Christmas tree. She was so pissed off. They had just gotten the tree together, and she went over and knocked it over. She was drunk. You see, they're saying in psychology today there's so much more um, things to worry about, the stress levels of, of families and, and people. And then if you're into alcohol and drugs, forget about it. There's going to be a lot of fighting. Now, this is why they, as children, it's almost like history repeating itself. The one that knocked over the Christmas tree, I know that she came from a family where there was abuse, where there was violence, and all this other stuff. So, therefore, what does she do? Her children are all excited, you know, putting the ornaments on the tree and everybody's having a good time. And and all of a sudden, Mommy goes and knocks the tree over and just smashes it. You see? So this is a bad time for a lot of survivors because, as this article states, people tend to look backwards, you know, from when they were children. And then they, they realize the dysfunction in their own family. And they start feeling sad. So that's why there's a lot of sadness during this time, too. So it, it's it's not a, a jolly time for a lot of children. Yeah. What do you have to say about that? You talking to me? Hmm? Are you talking to me? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I just know that, and that's, you know, going back to the beginning of what I was talking about, you know, that uh parents need to open their 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 mind to realize that if they don't teach their children about stranger danger, letting them know about the the, the predators and the pedophiles that are out here. You know, they need to teach that, you know, if anyone touches you, whether it's it doesn't matter anybody in the family, anybody in the streets, anybody in school, because they, pedophiles and predators, they groom. It could be your next-door neighbor. It can be a teacher. It could be a counselor. It, I, I, I was, you know, the, when I became from being a, a victim and a, to a survivor and I started doing my study and uh, and everything, and it's like it could be just, you'd be surprised who are predators, you'd be surprised who the groomers are. And they bet on that. They they, they hope that you don't want to talk to your children. And the main, a lot of adult parents that I hear say, they're just so young they don't understand. That's the point. <laughs> you need to teach them. Yes, you it's, do. It's getting, it's getting worse out here, you know. And, and you mentioned something about family. Yes, it's a lot of um, 
sexual child abuse among the family. Mm-hmm. So they force the child for it to be a secret. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be shocked to find out. I think the worst thing that you can do to a child is if a child has the courage to go tell an adult and the adult don't believe them. That's more devastating than the actual act. Then that's, right. that's when that's when the predator or, or the groomer, that's when they, you know, pounce on them to say, see, I mean, nobody's going to believe you. You liked it anyway. Ain't nobody going to believe you, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And if you're a kid, you believe stuff that you hear. Um, mm-hmm. You just do because kids look up to be loved and protected by an adult. And then, but if, and, and if that's taken away by being abused from a child, because you didn't take the time to tell them, if anybody touched you, let mommy or daddy know, you know. They got doctors that are there's some pedophiles. I tell people, don't be surprised. They're like, really? Yeah. There are doctors and lawyers, teachers and counselors, mm-hmm. police officers, mm-hmm. pastors. Yes. They come in all those well, forms. You know, i got, I got to stop you there because you just uh, stirred something in me. And I'm going to talk about this during the week. I want to go to Lori, too. Um, they're, they're doing another study. I've been talking about the Huffington Post for some years now because it was a few mm-hmm. years ago, maybe four years ago, where they had the actual pictures of the female teachers who were having sexual relations with the boys, okay? Yeah. And um so they gave out quite a bit of information, too, and I thought that was really good because I knew where they lived and all kinds of stuff, okay? They gave out everything. Now they've done another study, and they have realized that the amount it was from before has doubled with the female mm-hmm. teachers. Exactly. So you see, mm-hmm. the kids, they can't win for losing, as they say, Right. Um, you you go to you go home you get abused or maybe there's a distant family member who's abusing who comes to visit they abuse or the guy down the street abuses you whatever the case might be and then you go to school and now that number that they had years ago has now at least doubled of female just the female teachers so I thought wow that's I had a forty nine year old man. That that got our number off the hotline. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know I won't name. They called yesterday, and mm-hmm. they asked for help to deal and cope with him trying to. Um, like his mom don't even know how he really feel, but yet he he, he kind of like he's towards angry towards her. But the more I talked to him, it was like you know you're angry towards what happened more so than that. But this is what happened. Um, his mother and father, uh, they were all in the same home when he was young, you know, I would say about nine or ten years old. And the father was very abusive, and the mother left. Now, that I gave bravo to because mine didn't, you know what I'm saying? And mostly a lot of people that I talk to where the parents are both still, the, the, the mother is still with the abuser, but she left with her son. and But she went to a shelter. So three women in the shelter were having their way with him. They were in the shelter for a year, and and that's where he learned about sex. So it made him, well, you know, he asked me, could he be frank with me? And I said, sure. And he said, 
now it's like I desire sex more and more. I said, well, the difference with you is that I'm not saying that you weren't abused, but but for you, you really got grace. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you had these, these women because you probably look older than your age, you probably endowed, and they were teaching you about sex so you, so you can have sex with them. They were teaching you different ways versus other little girls and boys. They were brutally raped. They weren't they weren't taking the time. They weren't taught like that. We just got raped. They seduced him. You understand what I'm saying? Oh they, yeah. And, and he said, and he ended up liking it. And he said, was it wrong? I said, no. If somebody's arousing you, you were, you know, arousing you. How can you not feel that? You right. know, and and you're not being punched or beaten. You know, or, or you know, they, she, he said they, they weren't abusive. They took their time to teach him. But it's like he's angry that that happened because he said it makes him have the type of appetite that he has. And I said, well, first thing you have to do is learn to forgive yourself. Um, and that ain't going to happen overnight. It might. God might, you know, but this, you just got to allow God to help you. And two, you know, you know, because I had talked to some people, not trying to get it from him, but, you know, that really don't want to hear about God, and that's fine. I don't force that on anybody. But I tell them, the first step you already did by calling, going on our website and calling, that's the first step. That's the first step towards your healing, you know. I tell you, you want to talk about it. You don't want to hold this, your feelings and emotions and stuff in of a, of a memory that's painful. And he was beating himself up saying, but maybe I deserved it because I liked it. No, you didn't deserve it. And you couldn't help but like it because the way you were groomed, you were groomed. That's right. you, you were, I mean, let me correct that. I said, I said you, were, you were seduced, you know. Um, and you how old was he? Yeah, how old was he? He was there for a year. It started at nine, and by the time he was oh. ten, um, <laughs> no, you see, nine, ten, and then they left the shelter at eleven. Mother got it. Now, I ain't finished. Mother got got them home and everything. By this time, he's mature. He's sexually hyped, and mm-hmm. um, wait a minute. He's sexually hyped, and um, and he basically would make sure that other women in the neighborhood would notice him, which they did. And he mm-hmm. got fulfilled. Um, he got fulfilled. He looked for mm-hmm. that. And so mm-hmm. I, and he was beating himself up. He said, I felt guilty. I said, you were sexually groomed. And well, it, it, it wasn't. But, see, see we know mm-hmm. this because, um, first of all, the law even states that if a child's only nine years old, they don't even, they don't have the answers to say yes or no or in between or whatever. They don't know. Right. They don't have, they can't make good choices, okay, at the age of nine. Maybe by the time they're say sixteen, I'll just use that number. All right, um, mm-hmm. they have a you know they're older. I mean they they can think about whether they want to do it with their teacher or not. I mean I, I had a family member who had a crush on his teacher, and she had a crush on him. And <laughs> I mean I think wow. he was closer to seventeen, but not quite seventeen. And um, I don't know what she was. I never saw her. 
And uh, but the point is, I you know, if they didn't actually do the do, they didn't actually have relations, but they had a terrible crush on each other. And I had a friend who had a crush on her history teacher. And she was a little bit older than me. She had turned 18 or was going to turn 18, but not quite yet. And they were going out. He was our history teacher. They were going out. Okay, now she was a little older than me. But all in all, that's not right. Teachers are not supposed to. He was like 35 or 40 or something. And she was like, uh, you know, like 17. So... Um, that's not right. Now, yes, she's a lot older than the nine-year-old you're speaking about. But on the mm-hmm. other hand, teachers are supposed to follow a certain type of behavior so that kids can look up to them. Okay? Mm-hmm. i got to tell you something. This girl married that guy. Now, mm-hmm. I was with one of my friends. Yeah, this is wild. I was in with one of my friends, and we went into um, a place like Walmart. I don't know what it was called back then. I don't remember. But same idea. So anyway, there she was sitting at a, at a table drinking some coffee, and I said, "Hey, how you doing? How you doing?" And and mm. she said, "I'm about ready to get married tomorrow." I said, "What are you talking about?" She said, "Well, you know with who? Oh, mm-hmm. are you getting married? Yo, I don't want to marry him. He's a jerk." I said, "Well, what, what were you doing all that stuff for then?" <laughs> you know. So she she said. Um, um, well, I love them then, but I don't love them now. I said, well, then mm. you don't have to get married. Run away. Exactly. <laughs> you know, go somewhere else. Go. Do you have a relative out of the state? Go to them, whatever. I don't know. I was a kid. This is me talking, right? So uh, I don't know what happened. But you see, he was nuts about her, and she was young. She was vibrant. She was pretty. And... Um, and and she thought he was good looking and all this other stuff. Well, I didn't think so, but she thought so. And and uh, that's what happened. So you see, strange things can happen if teachers don't behave themselves. I'm sure that exactly. there's a lot of teachers out there. I'm talking about the men now, where you know, like girls will get crushes on them and so all this other stuff. But you push them away. You don't you don't lure them to you because they're still children. They're still children. And I still say, if you go to bed at the age of 17 and the next day you wake up, you're 18, that does not make you an adult. Are you That's crazy, okay? That's crazy. So that's how I feel about that. But I want to bring something else out here. Lori, though, Lori, for goodness sake, um, what do you have to say about all this? Um, I'm getting very informed tonight, actually. I'm sitting here listening okay. to you, just like soaking it up. I love when Michelle comes on, too. I, mean, yeah, I learned. I too, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, um, mm-hmm. but one thing I want to get out here again, because it is the holiday season, um, I looked up and it says rates of childhood sexual abuse often increase during the holidays. Now, I was yeah, wondering yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was wondering about that. So uh, organizations often report that abuse increase during the holidays. Law offices of Theodore, and I'm going to give his name because he's plastered all over this place where I went, so he wants people to know it anyway. But this, well, all right, this law office 
of uh, Theodore Baker reports that sexual and physical abuse raises during the holidays. It's because of alcohol mm-hmm. or drug abuse, all right, usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also to availability. Well, look, kids, they, they have the, how many days they have off? Ten days, is it? I forget, and something like that. You know, during the Christmas vacation I'm talking about, they'll have like ten days or something off. And um, so they're home for vacation. So a lot of times that's availability. So they're, they're home, just like those who are, you know, homeschooled. Same type of idea. They're right there, and their abuse is right there. So social workers and researchers uh, report this, and studies are done. So there's a lot of things about the holidays that make people upset, trigger them, make them feel nervous. Um, maybe during the holidays they were sexually abused by a family member, and then they're looking, oh, here comes Christmas again, oh, no, you know, or here comes Easter or any one of the holidays, or even Thanksgiving, right? Um, I've mentioned that I didn't want to be across from my brother, and they always put me across from my brother, so then we do a kick war underneath the table, all right, <laughs> you know, this type of thing. So, um, I mean, it's a, it should be a good time, but I think with Christmas, they haven't taught kids properly what Christmas is supposed to truly be about and mm-hmm. in a lot of homes, all right? It's not all about, you know, getting presents and giving presents. Um, it, it could be community work, all right? Community work is a wonderful thing to teach your child. If you know some families that are indigent um, and they're having all kinds of problems, you could put together a basket of food and, and, and just take it to that person's house, you know, um, my mother and I actually did that. Um, so she'd be kind to people on the outside and they thought she was wonderful. She was a true narcissistic personality, okay? And then behind closed doors, watch out, honey. All right, it was totally different. But we knew of a, uh, a family out in the woods, and it came to our attention. So my mother, don't forget, she had a lot of money. She went out and did a huge shopping for this family, and um, and we bought gifts, and also we went to um, neighbors and say, hey, look, can you spare a gift? Is there something you can give as a gift? And I told them what was going on. They said what was going on. And my mother said, you know. So um, they gave up a gift. Well, by the time we got to that, that um, camper out in the woods, um, I don't think they were supposed to be there. <laughs> but anyway, by the time we got there, we had a bundle of gifts and a ton of food, and when these people opened up that those doors they have there um, and saw all the stuff, they just stood there and they they were so shocked. They the couple of them started to cry. I mean the kids they started to cry because that was one Christmas they were going to truly have a Christmas. Okay, they had food, they had toys, they had everything they needed. That's what they have. Mm-hmm. So you see that that's what Christmas should be about too. All right, um, is to take care of those who need to be taken care of, and um, it's a good thing to teach your children. Um, and for those who don't want a part of the um, of the Christmas holiday, because it is too triggering to some people, because maybe they're horribly abused during those times. Um, for God's sake, go work in a, in a soup kitchen, see some family members before or after that you do like. And that day, though, 
and I did this once, so I know what it feels like. If you go into the soup kitchen um, and you're handing out food and, and, and all kinds of stuff, and, and some people baked, you know, they baked cookies and stuff to take to that one place, um, by the time you get out of there, you're not sad anymore because you know mm-hmm. you've done You've made a lot of people, right, working in the shelter like that, make, made a lot of people happy, all right? Yeah, you, you lifted their, yeah. you, you lifted, yes, you lifted their spirits. And you see, that's, that's an, and by lifting their spirits, you end up lifting your spirits. And don't forget, Christmas really is only for one day. So, you know, once this hullabaloo is all over with, it's going to go away, all right? <laughs> For those of you who are really triggered at, at Christmas time, you know. So if you don't want to be family, don't want to be friends or whatever, whatever the case might be, go do something good for someone, whether it be in the soup kitchen or in the hospital. Go read to someone who's blind, whatever it is, whatever it is. Let's give you some ideas there. You'll feel better about yourself, and uh, you'll get a good meal too, okay? Mm-hmm. So... That's the end of the show because we've got 90 seconds that just came up. I want to thank you, Michelle, for coming on and your friend also. Um, and Philip, while he was here, and, uh, and of course, Lori, um, she goes where I go, and I go where she goes, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, now I'm always glad when she's uh, my co host. And um, so, everybody, have a good night, and we'll be back next yeah. week. Okay. All right. right, Good night. Okay. Good Good night, night. everybody. Good night. God bless. Good night. Love Talk Radio.